How are you doing today, Katie? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? <laughs> I am doing good. Um, it's been beautiful the last couple of days here in Michigan. Yesterday was extremely nice. Uh, today is nice, but it's supposed to rain. So yeah. it's kind of a downer. It's been gorgeous. I've been trying to soak it up as much as I can. <laughs> Have you done any yard work or anything like that yet? You know, that was on my to-do list yesterday, but the only thing I really did was spend time with the kids outside, um, and that was it. It was literally my number one thing to do was work in my garden. I didn't even touch it. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, sometimes that's needed, um, especially doing yard work. It's kind of overwhelming sometimes, especially at the start of the year. I know. Yeah. You should see it. It's actually pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> Are you one of the people who uh, wait till spring to do things or do you clean up? Do you do like fall cleanup? I do not do fall cleanup. I'm like, <laughs> forget it. The snow is going to cover it up. Nobody's going to see it. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. I th see, I think that's how my wife is, but I'm not that way. I'm pretty anal like throughout the year, like picking up leaves and nope. I'm sure she's frustrated by that. <laughs> yeah. I think she gets irritated. I'm like, but... you want to do it? Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> um. So... I know that you're you're big into fitness. I follow you on social media. But before we kind of get into your story and your journey through all of that, I'd like to find out who you are. If you're from Lansing, were you born and raised here? Tell yeah, me a little bit about so yourself. I feel like that's a lot of questions in one little sentence that you just gave me. It is. Um, were you born and raised in Lansing? I was born and raised in Lansing. And I like to throw this out there. I have six sisters. So I have literally, there's seven of us all together. I'm a twin. So we were all born and raised in Lansing, Michigan. Wow. And uh, are you the are you and the twin, old, the older ones? No, me and my twin are the babies. Wow. I know. How was so how it, it growing up with a twin? Um, when I was younger, I hated it because there was nothing that was, you know, separate. And we always had to share everything. We literally, <laughs> birthdays. We were birthdays from clothes to bedrooms to toys, you name it. Even like friends by the time middle school though, we were like, nope, um, <laughs> we didn't share friends either. So maybe just one or two, but yeah, no. Wow. So, so did you guys get along? Do you guys get along now? Right now she is my best friend. I cannot mm. see the world without her, but she lives in Mississippi. So wow. that's, I know. So is it true that like a lot of twins can feel what the other one's going through? Is it, is that true? I honestly, so I believe that. And I don't okay. know if it's like true for anybody else, but I swear to God, <laughs> if I feel like she's having a bad day or anything, I'll call her up. And what's funny about that is we're usually wearing the same thing. <laughs> Not even joking. I'm like, oh my God, we're wearing the same color. She goes, I know. It's like, yeah, okay, that's hilarious. But it's like <laughs> creepy at the same time, but it's pretty cool. That is cool. Um, and so there were six of you guys mm -hmm. and you're the youngest. Yep. How was that like growing up, growing up in Lansing? Uh, did you go to Lansing schools? We went to Lansing schools. Yep. So a lot of times the first thing that I always hear people tell me is your poor dad. And I'm like, yeah, what? Cause we had no brothers and he was stuck with all girls. <laughs> I said, yeah, I was actually told this from my dad many, many times was like, they had five girls. They were trying one last time for a boy and they got stuck with twin girls. <laughs> And I was like, but you know what? My dad, and that's just part of my story, so I'm just going to share it now. My dad was an alcoholic my entire life. So he was physically abusive, verbally abusive. So poor dad, I would say screw him because, you know, he really didn't, he wasn't there. Um, so how was it growing up in Lansing with six sisters? We really went through a whole lot, and we're kind of going through that with this interview. Um, but that's where my story begins, too. Wow. That's a lot to unpack right there. I know. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm trying to like break the ice a little bit, like get to know who you are. And then you just kind of hit me with that. Um, I never break the ice. I'm so open. <laughs> I'm just like, I will tell you my story. I will tell you whatever you want to know. Just ask me questions. So I, I like open. that. I like that because you're straight to the point. You're, you don't beat around the bush. Um, I hate being around the bush. If you know me, it's honest, it's yeah. honesty. I love it. Yep. So let's kind of talk about that a little bit with your, you growing up and what that was like. Um, I guess, uh, as, as a child, mm -hmm. um, having an abusive dad and, uh, and have all everything that surrounded that, I guess. Yeah. Um, well with, with that question, it's kind of, I talk with my hands so much and I know this is totally good. just, it's good for <laughs> interviews. People are like, what is she doing? <laughs> I know. So I'm like, Oh my God, I'm such a hand talker. Um, with that question, um, how was it growing up with an alcoholic abusive father? Um, I would say, 
it was difficult um, to say the least, but I think watching him abuse my own mother, I think was the one, the first trauma that I went through as a child. Um, besides the time when I was seven years old, my mom committed suicide. Um, so I feel like that those two things were the first experiences I had in life growing up. And just jumping into that, the emotional development I was going through obviously was stunted because of the trauma I went through. So You said that so easily that it was just like, I mean, like it's just something that happened in the past. Because I, I feel like I talk about it so much and I share my story so much with people. It's, it's not, you know, it's still not easy to talk about. I've been talking about my story since 2014. It was the very first time I actually wow. talked about my story was 2014. I decided I needed help. I decided I needed therapy. I needed to, even though I've been in and out of therapy my whole life, but I was like, I knew I was ready. I knew it was time for me to look at every possible thing for myself to heal if I wanted a better life. That is so beautiful to hear because so many people let what happened to them define define who they are, including myself. I mean, I, I didn't experience uh, a parent committing suicide, but I was put into foster care, which it's not the same thing, but being taken away from your from your mom or your dad at a very young age, like stunts your growth also in a different aspect. Absolutely. Um, you know, like I, I had the hope that, you know, I'd be able to one day see my mom again, mm-hmm. but like during that period, I couldn't. And it was like one of the most traumatic things that could happen to me. You gave me goosebumps. Um, <laughs> I <to> say that. <laughs> um, but, you know, like, uh, you know, like going into adulthood, the things that happened to me, you know, affected me at a very young age. And I, I knew that I had to make a choice. And I, I either continued down the path I was going and allow whatever happened to me destroy who I am as a person or I find a way to make myself better and use what I went through as motivation and inspiration and a way to help other people. Yeah. And uh, so I think it's beautiful that you're able to do that. Yeah. It's okay. not. This episode is brought to you by Red Bike Delivery. This delivery service operates only using battery-powered, eco-friendly transportation. Red Bike Delivery is there for all your delivery needs, whether it's dinner for the family, flowers for your partner, or new houseplants for your new collection. Red Bike Delivery will gladly deliver those and everything in between. So what are you waiting for? Check out Red Bike Delivery on Facebook or Instagram for more information. Red Bike Delivery, because there's only one Earth. It took me a long time to really come to that conclusion. um, Because like, you know, what I already mentioned before, like the trauma I went through with, you know, the alcoholic abusive father and then my mother committed suicide, like... So I came home to a vision, you know, no seven-year-old should have seen after my mom committed suicide. So like that traumatic event was, I had nightmares for years, literally. Of, and I'm going to say this, and if any, that's a trigger for anybody too, like I literally had a dream of my mom when even though she killed herself, I had a dream she was killing me, mm. you know, for years. And as a seven-year-old little girl, that's exactly what I dreamt about every single night. And that's not what seven-year-old little girls should be dreaming about, right? No. We should be dreaming about what we want to be when we grow up. I was dreaming about that my mother was killing me for years and years and years, or I was rewatching her commit suicide different ways. It was always different ways. It was never the same. It was always, she was re-killing herself in different ways. Sorry. So I find that dealing with that and then growing up and then being stuck in that trauma, I was a bad child. (laughs) I will tell you that. And I'll be honest, like I wasn't fighting. All I did, I was angry. I fought with people. I did drugs. I drank at a young age, starting at like 13 years old. You know, I got into sex at a young age. You know, I was just, I was really hard to deal with. So when people would push me away because I was difficult to deal with. Nobody wants to deal with some snotty ass little girl, you know, (laughs) Um, somebody that thought that she had her shit together and I really wasn't, you know, I was 12 and 13 when I was thinking that. Um, So do you, do you feel that going through that kind of situation forced you to kind of grow up a little earlier than, than most? I would say absolutely. Just because um, when, cause that happened when I was seven, I keep repeating that age just because it's a big, it's a crucial time in my life. And so growing up, So during that time, you know, I'm a baby of seven, right? Mm -hmm. So we all experienced the same thing, but we all experienced it a little differently because we were in different emotional capacities because of our age and our, you know, what we've experienced already in life. Right. But 
I feel like since I was that age, we did not talk about it. It was like taboo. Nobody wanted to talk about it. My family just like swept it under the rug. It was like, it never happens. And we just never talked about it. Like my dad drank even more and got even worse. And we went through his mental health issues during that whole time frame. So I really was taking care of myself, even though like I did have an older sister that stepped up and tried. I was so bad she couldn't even handle me anymore. Like I'm <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I my twin sister and I got separated at 14. So we went to different high schools. And I think that was like a big smack in my face going like, "All right, nobody wants me." My mom didn't want me. My, why, were, why were you guys separated? I got kicked out of school. I got expelled oh. and I couldn't for yeah, fighting? Um for fighting and drugs. Wow. I know. What kind of drugs did you get involved in? Um, Marijuana really was the number one thing. Um, But what I got suspended for and well, suspended for fighting, but then the, um, it was ecstasy. Mm. Um, I've never said that out loud. So there you go, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I actually, so, and I got expelled from sex in high school. Um, And I'm saying that out loud right now too, just because I actually just went back recently to do a motivation speaking for the sports program to talk about my experience and what I went through and trying to motivate the kids that are struggling right now in school. Wow. That is so awesome. I had to throw that part in there. How was that? How was that experience walking back into those doors? (laughs) It was so weird because the last time I got, it's funny because that's how I actually broke the speech. I was like, you know, the last time I stepped foot in this school was when I was getting escorted out by two cops. (laughs) Um, but I was like, and that's like, it's a smack in the face. I said, this is reality. You know, this is my childhood. This is what I went through. I said, but right now my eyes are open and I wish I listened to those people that were telling me what to do and how to do it. I wish I was really being more vulnerable than I was. I wasn't vulnerable. I had my walls up. I, it wasn't walls. I had bricks up. Like I really wouldn't let anybody in. I wouldn't listen to anybody. Well, it's unfortunate because it's like a thing of that, um, of the past too, of the way people handled things that happen in, in, in behind closed doors is like, mm-hmm. they just closed those doors. He, they didn't talk about them. They didn't send people to therapy. It wasn't a thing yep. to talk about. Those things was a vulnerability. Yeah, absolutely. And now, you know, things are a lot more socially accepted. I mean, you're on a podcast sharing your story. You would have never done that even probably 10 years ago. No, I would not. <laughs> <laughs> it, like it's looked at as almost like a weak thing to do. Right. And that's what, that's what I want to change. I really, and what really has pushed me to just to change that too is my kids mm-hmm. because I will not share their own personal stories, but my kids have been through quite a bit too. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? I need to be that, excuse me, I'm going to really cuss right now. I'm going to be that strong ass bitch, motivating mom that where my kids can be like, yes, that's my mom. She's been through this and this. I also been through a lot of things, but if I can see my mom be this strong and yeah. talk about her past and talk about, you know, being betrayed, being um, belittled or being abused physically, sexually, like all of these things, but she's overcame and she's here now, like that right there just motivated me right there. Yeah. And it, I mean, it gives everybody hope to know that, you know, life may suck right now in I may be in this crappy situation, but there is hope at the end of the day. I can change. I can become better and I can make my life better. Right. You're trying to take a drink. I'm trying to take a drink of water. <laughs> I can talk so much, but I always have to have my water. Um, oh, yeah. I love that you brought your own water bottle. I did. <laughs> it even has ice in it. Like I, that's a big thing for me. <laughs> ice water. So at what point in your life did you realize that you had a you had to turn your life around and that you didn't like the path you were going down or good question. Um, I would say, you know, cause my healing really started 2014, but 2012 is when I really hit rock bottom because I was going through a divorce. It was a very, very ugly divorce. And I hit to the point where I tried to attempt suicide and I was like, Oh my God, I'm literally about to give my kids the experience I experienced I'm about to give them the emotional abuse, the abandonment issues. Like I can keep going. Like I can give them all of these issues that I've been struggling with my entire life. And I'm about to put all of that on my children. Mm. And I, cause I just laid there, I sat there and I was contemplating on everything and I did attempt. But then after that was like, what the fuck am I doing? Because I'm literally, I'm reliving my mother's life. And that woke me up. And then it took me a good two years to really like, 
I hit rock bottom there, even though a lot of times people are like, I hit rock bottom, you know, and it just changed my life. No, it actually took me two years after that to really figure out what I needed to do because yeah. I didn't have the support system I needed. I was, you know, I had four kids and um, there's more old to that story too, but we can be here forever if I go into that. So <laughs> We can go into whatever you want to go into. Um, but in, yeah, so during that ugly divorce, dealing with, you know, my own children, they were really young at that age. Um, they were, you know, I think what, six and five and four and three, you know, so like they were really, really little and I was struggling. Um, so during that time after about 2014 came, I did reunite with my ex-husband at the time, which I will tell you right now at this very moment, that was the biggest mistake of my life because he wasn't that supportive person that I needed. And, but I still took that upon myself in 2014. I saw a therapist. It took me 12 therapists to find the right one. Holy cow. And I like to say that because there's so many people like, well, I've tried a therapist and I didn't like them. You know what? You will find a therapist that you just mesh with and yeah. that is going to listen, that it's going to understand, that it's going to really be there and be that support system for you. Yeah. And if you didn't find that the first or second or third or fourth time, just keep going because you're going to find a therapist that you like. How long did that process take to find the right therapist? Um, within that whole two years, it probably took me a good four years to find a the right therapist. Wow. Um, but I have been with that therapist for seven years. And how often do you go, do you go now? I still go now. I go every other week, maybe once a month, really, depending on what's going on. Um, so my therapist that I have now is a different therapist. I stopped seeing that therapist that I was really dedicated to about, um, maybe three years ago, right before COVID actually is when I switched, um, therapists. And the reason why is because I am now seeing a male therapist and that was like taboo for me because mm. with my past and with me going through different sexual abuse situations, I was, I just had a thing of never talking to a man. Right. right? As you're sitting across from me. I know, <laughs> um, but that's fine. It, it's different now. <laughs> so thank God for that. Um, so now I see a male therapist, but he special. I, I did my own research and this is, I'm a huge nerd. Um, so I literally went through every psychologist's like background. What, what did they study? What was their major? What was their minor? Like I went through like, what was their certifications? How, how long have they been a therapist? Like I went through and I just like dissected every therapist in the area so I can find myself the best one. Wow. And it happened to be a man. I was like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Like I, was like, <laughs> I actually was mad about that, but I was like, let me give it a try. And it, it changed everything, you know, and I think that was the best move that I could do for myself as I stretched myself. I tried something different. You put yourself in an uncomfortable p position. I did. Yeah. And actually, and it's funny because I interviewed him when I first met him <laughs> and I was like, I did this. I researched this. I know this about you. And I said, but you're a man. And I said, so this is a stretch for me. He goes, you know, you're not the first person that said that to me. I'm like, I, I figured, you know, I said, but I just want to be straightforward because that's just how I am. And he was like, that's fine. He goes, we'll get it a try. If you don't like me, we'll, we'll quit. I'm like, perfect. Wow. And it's, it's, he's been, he's been fantastic ever since. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I've been kind of fortunate because I've gone to therapy before and within the first, um, like I've, I've had bad experiences in therapy, uh, where I didn't like the therapist mm -hmm. or, um, uh, especially couples therapy. That's terrible. Oh my God. I've tried that before too. I awful. don't, I don't think it's a good thing. I don't think it's possible to work your <laughs> issues out in therapy as a couple. Um, I, you know what I have, I'm just going to like maybe comment on that just a you little should. bit. So, cause with my ex-husband, we were together for 13 years and you know, cause we actually got re back together after an ugly, ugly divorce. And I'm just going to mm. say ugly cause it was probably the worst divorce I've ever heard of. Um, but we tried literally marriage counseling. We did seminars. We did books. We did um, conferences. We did everything you possibly can think of. But, and we even did couple therapy. We did seven different couple therapists. Wow. We kept trying. Like, I kept trying. And, um, yeah, there, you can never <laughs> find somebody that's, like, right in the middle. That's not yeah. going to pick a side. Right. You know, because either someone's going to feel like, well, they feel like I'm the problem. No, I feel like I'm the problem. And it's right. like they're not helping you. They're not being that mediator. So I personally have never found a couple therapists that was absolutely amazing. I, I think it, it could be possible. I think it's possible. Um, But I guess my whole thing on this is if you go to therapy, like, Obviously, if in a marriage, if you guys need to go to therapy, there's an issue with both parties. It's not just one party. And you guys both should go to 
separate therapists, work your issues out and try to become the best version of yourself. Yes. That way it, when you come together, you you're giving your your best version and if you're not able to then obviously it's not gonna work (laughs) i'm over here trying not to cut you off but i'm like yes you're so right because like i really feel like if you go into couples therapy and you're over here like well i don't like about this person i don't like what this person i don't like what my spouse does and you know it's just like it's almost like a bitching fest you know and i that's exactly what it is but if you go in and just you go in with your own individual therapist and you work on yourself if you better yourself you're going to be a better partner yeah absolutely i truly believe that because my ex-husband did not go through individual therapy. He didn't, he felt like I was a problem. I had all this PTSD <laughs> and all of these like right. depression, you know, disorders. He always wanted to throw disorders at me. And I'm like, you know, at first I was like, okay, maybe I am the problem. But you know what? I wasn't the problem. Yeah. Um, I had my own issues, but that's a whole nother story too. But I really feel like you're right on the money. You really have to do your individual therapy. Well, I, I know that from experience because I've gone to couples therapy before and I've also gone to therapy on my own. And I realized that when, once I went to therapy and I worked out my issues, because I mean, there was issues that I, I guess I didn't even realize I was like projecting onto our relationship. Yep. Um, but once I was able to like come to terms and figure out my problems and fix those things, mm-hmm. then everything else just kind of fell into place. Absolutely. And then I'm like, well, couples therapy is like bullshit. It's like a waste of money. It seems like a waste of money. It seems like a waste of money. I actually can agree with you on that. Um, I feel like I'm a better person now because I've worked on myself. Yeah. And well, I, you're probably more confident in yourself too now. I'm right? definitely, yeah, there's a, yeah, I would say there's different levels of confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say I'm more confident in myself and who I am. Yeah. And I think that's more important than anything. You got to know who you are, know what you like and you know what your triggers are. Right. I think that's very important. So when did you get into fitness? Oh my gosh. I got into fitness back in like, um, Oh, four, 2004. Oh, wow. So you're like a fitness OG. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm that old mom that likes to work out. Um, that's I, awesome. It keeps oh, you yeah. young. Yeah, it keeps, it's actually my therapy. So I yeah. think without that, I probably would have um, hurt somebody a long time ago. Probably would have murdered somebody. <laughs> I was going to say that, but I was like, eh, I probably should watch what I say online here. So yeah, I probably would have murdered somebody a long time ago. So what got you into fitness? Because in 04, I mean, work working out was a thing, but it, it wasn't as mainstream as, as it is now. Not at all. So back when I first started working out, I got my first gym membership at, I think it was called Fitness USA. And it was when they literally had, um, yes. So where they had girls one day, guys the next day. So it wasn't co-ed at all. It was literally, I worked out with all females and what got me into it. Was it, I'm sorry. Was it like bias workouts? Like Pilates? No, stuff like it, that. no, no, it was a regular gym. You go in and do your, you know, your weights and your, your machines and go in there and, um, I've always been a weightlifter. I love bodybuilding. Um, not into, I tried CrossFit, but not really like that. But what really got me into it, and this is a whole nother story, and I've done an article on this too, was what really got me into fitness was I was trying to control my own body and show that I loved myself and I loved my body and that my body was mine. Um, I did, and this kind of trickles into a fitness competition because I also compete as well. In powerlifting? In, well, figure competitions. Oh, okay. So, um, you know, there's powerlifting, but you can also do physique and figure. Um, it's like a bodybuilding competition, right? Kind of. You're posing. You're going up there and okay. you're pretty much flexing your body. Um, it's hard for me to explain what that looks like. I, I know what that looks like. Okay. It, how difficult is that? Um, I would say the hardest part is mental. Yeah. Like you literally need to be mentally dedicated because you have to eat a certain way. You have to be on a strict schedule. You have to work out. And when it gets to like six weeks before a show, you are working out like twice a week, morning and night. You're literally your full time eating and working out. Right. Right. So that was probably the hardest part. And how many of those have you done? I've only done one, but I did three different classes. Okay. So a lot of times people are like, well, how can people get up there and, you know, show off their body like that? And, you know, the biggest thing, and after I did that, I actually did, and I was trying to say, I did an article about how to control my own body after being sexually abused, how to really honor myself and show this is me and I can tell you no. Mm. Um, and that was like the biggest reason. And the reason why it was really, really hard for me to go on stage is because I actually attempted three different shows and I backed out when I got so close to doing it. 
And because I was like, how can I get, I can't get on there, um, you know, on stage and strut myself. I'm like half naked and right. people are staring at me and I'm like, okay, I'm going to be sexualized or I'm going to be looked at as a piece of meat is what I used to tell myself. <laughs> um, but I was like, you know, I don't want people to do, it makes me almost feel like, um, ashamed of myself. It makes me want to hide and curl up and hide my right. body. But then I'm like, you know what? Fuck that. I really need to show that this is my body. I have control over it. Yeah, you know, and if I want to do a show, I want to do a show. And when I got up there and I did my show for the very first time, it was so empowering, like just to have that dedication and having all of that control because nobody can control your fitness and your eating. But yeah, you. yeah, that's it. Yeah, you're the only one in control. Yeah, I I get that to a certain degree because I've done uh, kettlebell competitions. Okay, and so you know you put in the work before or you don't, and yep. you go do the competition, and you're your result reflects the work that you put in. Yep. Absolutely. And you can be proud of what you did or, or you won't be. <laughs> yep. And uh, I've had both, both experiences. So I, yeah. I get that. Yep. The, the harder you work, the more better you are going to get your results. So, you know, personally the work you put in you yeah. know, and you know, when you cheat. Yeah. You That's, can't cheat. You can't cheat. No, and if you're you only cheat, cheating yourself. Exactly. I was just <laughs> going to say that you're only cheating yourself. And I feel like, you know, there was a moment where I cheated on my diet and I'm like, it was the end of the world. I'm like crying. <laughs> so I'm like, all this hard work's going out the window. This is so oh. horrible. But then you're like, all right, suck it up. Fuck it up. You know, just get up and do it. You know, just right. don't have a pity party. Right. Just get after it harder now. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so when you're training for one of those, what does that look like? I mean, what kind of meals are you eating? What kind of exercises are you doing? Good question. So right now I'm in, I call it the bulking phase. So from okay. now until like August, I'm going to be doing where I'm just muscle massing. So, so you're you're getting ready to do one of these in August. So, well, or so soon, soon. So by August to October, that's going to be like my actual strong prep where Oof. I will be starting to cut. Like right now I've cut it out quite a bit of sugar. You sh my boyfriend's going to laugh at me if he hears me say this right now I really <laughs> eat like shit <laughs> um so I prep my food my prepping looks like where I do turkey and rice I measure everything out um I weigh my food um so I have like eggs and oatmeal for breakfast with blueberries and then I'll have like a protein bar my lunch is literally turkey and rice and green beans and then I'll do like a protein shake and then I'll do another turkey and rice meal like I eat a lot <laughs> um it may not look like it, but I eat a lot. That's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. I eat a lot too, but it's just because I'm fat. So Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, uh, f my wife hates it because like sometimes I'll go through phases where I'll eat like a carnivore type diet, mm -hmm. especially like if I'm like training for something. I've heard of those. You've heard of those. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like it. I like it because I feel like aggressive. I feel like just stronger and healthier on it. I don't know why I don't, I mean, carbs are good. They're good for you in moderation. I love when, carbs. They're good for you. Um, <laughs> They're bad for you. <laughs> not, I mean, depends. Depends. Depends I guess. on what you eat. Yeah. Yeah. Rice isn't bad. Rice is not bad. Pizza's no. bad. Pizza's bad. Those kind of carbs are terrible. I know. Um, but yeah, my wife hates it when I go on like those kind of diets because I'm just like, like I'm just strict. I, I won't eat. I won't sway from my diet or anything. Do you do you do cheat meals or anything like that, or do you just like? Like if you want to eat something bad one day, you'll just eat that and then you jump back into your diet. So right now, since I'm just in my, I call it my bulking phase. Yeah. Um, I do the quotations because that's really what I'm doing. I'm just trying to bulk up and, and add mass to my body right now. So I have cheat days quite a bit more than I should, um, but that's okay because starting August. So when I do get into a strict mode, I have to call it refeed days. Have you heard of that term? No, I haven't. Okay, so it's like a refeed day. And that's a day where you're like, oh my God, I can't wait for that day to come because I'm going to eat like, sometimes you can eat whatever you want, um, like for that day. Or you pick one thing that you're going to eat like, and usually mine's like a big ass cheeseburger with everything <laughs> on it. <laughs> I'm not getting with the whole thing of French fries. Um, or like I'll do pancakes, like I'll just mother syrup and butter all over pancakes and I'll have tons <laughs> of pancakes. Um, but when I get strict, so starting August to October, that's what I will literally be doing. And it's not like once a week. It's going to be if I'm hitting a plateau and my body's not changing, my weight's not changing, then I'm hitting a plateau. So that's when I do a refeed day. So mm. when I do that refeed day, you'll notice you're like, oh, at first I was scared to death of a refeed day because I'm like, oh my God, my progress is going to go out the window. I'm going to gain yeah. like five pounds, but I usually lose weight that day. And then I start, my body starts changing even more. And so usually that's about maybe every three, four weeks. Oh, 
How did you learn all this? Um, a lot of different coaching from Karen from Conquest. She's absolutely amazing. Floyd, I actually met a gentleman named um, Floyd. He is actually in, God, where is he? Georgia. Um, mm. I met him online and he was absolutely amazing when it came to diets. He helped me with my diet during my last show. Um, and it's like checking in. You got to check with him all the time. And it's not checking into the scale. It's checking into the mirror. And that's what I loved about it. So a lot of times people are like, oh, I need to check my weight. I need to check my weight. But you know what? It's really about what the mirror says to you. Yeah. But it's also about how you feel about yourself. So if you're not one of the ones that want to go all the way in and do a show, then that's totally fine. But yeah. stop looking at the scale and look at the mirror. Do you find that it's easier to train for something or not train? It, it, it's easier to live that kind of lifestyle when you're training for something? Yes, because if you're not really having a goal set in mind, then yeah. you're meal plans go out the window and that's my problem because I love food yeah me too I'm with you oh my god I love food so much (laughs) I'll eat cheeseburgers every day (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it's bad because like my uh second oldest daughter works at a pizza place and she brings pizza home every day I swear to god or she'll bring (laughs) home like you know cheesy bread or like cinnamon rolls or cinnamon bread I'm like oh my god girl I cannot like when I start prepping you can't bring this stuff home (laughs) like at all because I can't even smell it um, oh, it's so funny. So I love food. Um, do you do you feel that it's given you a healthy relationship to food? Um, I would say it's given me a healthy relationship with my body. Mm-hmm. Because when you start getting on a strict diet, you feel the difference. Yeah. Like you were saying, like you feel almost like stronger and more yeah. powerful, right? When you're doing this carnivore diet, like you really start learning your body. Yeah. So it really gave me a better sense of my own body and how it feels and how I can feed it to make it feel better. Now you said that you, you said you were a personal trainer, right? I used to be a personal you, trainer. You used to be. Why don't you do that anymore? Um, my passion, like I swear to God, when I was a therapist or when I was a personal trainer, I was more of a therapist than a trainer. <laughs> And I'm not kidding. And so right, the reason why I don't do um, training now is because you really are almost like a therapist when you're a trainer. And it all starts in your mind. Mm, yeah. If you can get your mind right, you're going to get your body right because you're going to start loving yourself. Yeah. So I want to start where the problem starts. And the st- problem starts within your mind. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, because most people who go into the gym have like self-confidence problems. They don't yes. they don't like believe in themselves. I mean, you tell them to lift a heavy weight. They're like, I can't lift that. Yeah. And it's not even that, too. It's like, you know, they don't believe in themselves, you know, so they do have that lack of confidence. But yeah. it's almost like they're trying to get into the gym to cover up something else. Mm. So it's like, you know, it's almost like peeling off. Of, you probably heard this phrase of, you know, peeling an onion. You always are peeling layers off and finding out more problems. It's like getting to the source of that core. Right. Um, and that's what I always realized with clients was like, OK, well, what's you know, why are you really here? Let's just dive right into that. So did you get out of that because it was just more like you were being a therapist and I felt like my calling more was for mental health and listening to people and really helping them figure out, you know, what are they healing from mentally? Um, and then they will, you know, start striving physically as well. So how do you do that? Do you do like online <clears throat> courses? What do you, what do you do? How do um, you help people with their mental health? Good question. So right now I do online or in person. It really depends. I do one-on-one coaching. I do um, couples coaching. I've done that. And I know we've talked about- What does about, that look like? I know. We talked about couple, <laughs> couples therapy, right? So so when I do couples coaching, and I've done that probably only a handful of times because it's a newer thing for me to do, is what I realize is trying- to, And this is like me being two people for <clears> two <throat> people because I'm trying to narrow down what their individual wants and needs are to have them focus on themselves. But they do it together just knowing, okay, this is what my spouse is working on. This is what I'm working on. We're going to support each other. So it's really me just being that mediator of, okay, well, my, you know, maybe my spouse wants to lose weight, but my husband's so damn skinny, he needs to eat. So how are you guys going to do that together? Work out. Yeah. So work out being motivating. So not, yeah. you know, and, and it's hard because they're going to have two different meal plans. Right. right. So they're not, not necessarily. Eat. Yes. But one's going to have like, OK, you're going to have a, a half a cup of this and then you can eat a whole cup of this. And, right. you know, so it is different because it's mental. It's like, a, you know, you're looking at that, especially if you're a visual person. Yeah. And you're like, oh, my God, your plate looks so full. I'm so hungry. You know, like I can keep <laughs> going. Um, but really, it just narrows down to, OK, what are your triggers? What are you what can you not say to your spouse? Mm. And what do you feel like you can say to your spouse? 
Now, do you do it in like a like a fitness manner, the mental health coaching, or do you just do it in general? Like if somebody needs like just help with whatever, Usually just with with help in general. Okay. Um, a lot of times, I get people referred to me, so that's oh. actually how I get a lot of my clients. I'm like, oh my god, Katie is amazing. She's helped me with my depression, and a lot of times I get people when they're at rock bottom. Like I've met people so many times by them calling me and telling me like I'm suicidal, and somebody told me that I could reach out to you. So when somebody calls you and they say they're suicidal, what what do you do? Because if somebody did that to me, I don't know what I would do. I think I would be like, uh, don't do that, <laughs> first <laughs> off. <laughs> um, I don't know what I would say to them. And yeah. how do you get them out of that space? Do you recommend things? What do you... So a lot of times I ask them first if they've done anything yet right now in this very moment. Have you done anything to hurt yourself? Have you consumed mm -hmm. anything in your mouth? You know, like I really kind of go over that emergency questions because what they should be doing is calling 911 if they've if they've actually taken, you know, yeah. some type of, you know, some drugs or, you know, drugs and alcohol or whatever it may be. I really just make sure they're safe first. That's my number one priority is making sure that they're safe. And if they're not, then I would call. I've actually never had to do that, but that's where you, that's, awesome. that's what I would have to do is like, I would call, yeah. I would ask for their address and I probably would just go over there because I'm that type of person. Is um, it all local people that you're all working local with? Okay. Well, I work with a lot of local people, but I actually do have a lot of people that are not local because I do zoom meetings with people. Oh, okay. I will meet them. Um, and I got more into that during COVID and then I might just, my, like audience has like spread like crazy yeah. for clients that like, I know my farthest client was Canada. Holy cow. <clears throat> um, and I know there was one client that I had that was in Australia and that was because she was for from a friend that was in Grand Rapids. Wow. It was weird. That is so weird. Um, but it was amazing. It was a great experience and yeah. I'm so thankful for online because I can do that online. So now is it, do you do this full time? Is this I your wish. job? I want to no. do it full time. And so I do not do it full time. I do it part time. I do it on my spare time. Um, wow. Do you, now, you get paid for it? I do. Okay. I charge. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's so good. It's worth it. it. It's so good. It's worth it. Um, now, when people do call me in crisis modes, because that's usually, like I was saying, like I meet a lot of people when they're already hitting rock bottom at that right. crisis mode. And, and during those times, obviously, I'm not charging you for that. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, I know how it is. I have been there, done that, you know, and it's 1199 per minute. So, <laughs> um, your life is more important. No, this is a free <laughs> session, but don't take advantage of it. Um, so, but I do charge for it. Um, it really is different, um, based off of what I chart based on what I charge. If you're going to do it in group, it's different charge. If you're doing one-on-one, -on -one, it's a different charge. Um, I actually do workshops too. And I'm actually hosting a conference May 7th. Mm -hmm. um, that is all about self-care. What does that look like for you? How are you going to implement self-care into your life? If you have been, you know, wanting to try something different, then this is a day for you because we're going to try meditation, yoga. We're going to do self-defense jujitsu. We're going to do guided journaling. We're going to, you know, do a simple art project. So this day is all about finding what is going to be your self-care niche. And that is that in person? That's in person. Wow. And where's, where's that at? Conquest Fitness. Okay. Is that, is that for male and females? Male and female. And I wow. have, yeah. So I already have males and females already doing, like signed up for it. They have bought tickets already. I have a few tickets still available for anybody that's interested in doing that. I will wow. feed you and supply you with everything that you possibly need. You just need to bring your, your, your body. That's all you need. And do you have instructors? Because you said there will be jujitsu mm -hmm. classes and or yep. courses and whatnot. Yep, absolutely. I have volunteers that actually are doing this for me and a few sponsors. Um, so I have people that are coming in doing the meditation part for me, people mm. coming in doing the yoga part for me. Wow. Um, they're all like 30-minute sections of, and we're all experiencing it together. It's not like, okay, well, I want to pick this one. I want to pick that one. No, okay. it's a whole group. We're going to experience all of these self-care things together. And then we're going to talk about it. So like the, literally the first part of this conference is going to be about what are you healing from? So ask yourself that. So what are you healing from? And you're just going to think about it because sometimes people like have this whole list, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. And then some people are like, I have no idea what I'm healing from. Yeah. You may not realize there's something there, but there's always something. Um, there's always something. I would say, I think you know that you're healing from something. You just don't know what you need to heal from. That's true. I really believe that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's an all day thing though. It's from nine to three. Nine to three. That's, okay. why I, that's why I tell people, I will feed you. I will feed you breakfast and I will feed you lunch. Wow. And you'll leave with a goodie bag. I'm interested. 
Yeah. I'm interested in doing it. Mm Mm-hmm. The very first part of that is where we're going to literally talk about obviously what you're healing from. And then towards the end of it, you're going to get that question again. Do you have to answer it publicly? No, uh, but that's you the can. Better part. That's the better part. It is. You can literally keep anything and everything to yourself and just be a body. Yeah. Or you can really speak up and, and ask questions or really start, you know, getting that dialogue going. Cause maybe that's what some people need. Yeah. They need somebody to pick your brain so you can figure out what you need to heal from. Yeah, and they need to see how other people are able to overcome things also. And I, I love that you are incorporating uh, physical activity because that's a good way to overcome a lot of different things. I know. That's why I love fitness so much. Yeah. <laughs> I used to, uh, I talk about it all the time, but when I like first started working out, uh, one thing that would always pop in my head was my adopted mom would tell me, you're never going to ma- make anything of yourself. Mm. And so- shame on her. What's that? I said shame on her. Yeah, I know. Well, it's kind of- <laughs> like ironic about that is like she never made anything of herself and now she's losing her mind at like 58 she's mm-hmm. like onset early dementia or whatever um but like that used to play in my mind like i'd be bench pressing or on like some sort of cardio machine and i'd just play over and over and over and i'd just go harder and harder and harder but like now ever since i went to therapy and got those issues worked out um like, I don't even think about any of that stuff anymore. But fitness definitely helped me, like, kind of navigate through that. Yeah. So I have a question for you. So I'm going to interview yeah, you for a Yeah, please time. do. Okay. I like this. So in the beginning with your fitness journey, you know, you were thinking about all of the things that she was saying to you, right? Like you were yeah. going to make anything out of yourself. So that fed your energy, right, to work Absolutely. out, right? Yeah. So it gave you that anger and that that jump to move, yeah, right? Yeah. But now that you went through your healing process and that you're going through your healing process and you don't think about that when you work out, what gives you the energy to work out? Like, are you still angry when you work out or like? Well, no, no, okay. definitely not angry. Uh, one thing that helps me for one is having something to train for, like having some sort of purpose to like constantly like like some sort of goal to strive towards. Okay. And um. And it doesn't matter what it is. It could be like a small fitness challenge, like with guys at, at work or whatever, which I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, or it could be like a couple of years, a year or two ago, I did a, a 50 mile ultra run. Nice. Um, so like things like that, like I always try to have something there that helps motivate me, but it's never, it's never guided like through anger or like frustration. Um, now it's more something that I know that is, it helps me. It helps me like with mental clarity, it helps me feel better. I know it just, overall makes me a healthier person absolutely um so i just do it because it's i know it helps me (laughs) good um i just have to ask because i know when i went through that and i worked out and it was just nothing but anger that fed me i was like it's not sustainable yeah you can only do that for so long and then you're like okay now what yep what's going to push me now yep and i don't think it's a bad thing to let anger and frustration push you through your workouts especially it's like it's not at a first. bad thing nope it's actually a good it, thing cuz you got to let it out somehow yeah exactly i mean it's either that or maybe you're going to go up and beat your spouse or something i don't know it, you know right, exactly. you don't want it to be that right. so or it, murder somebody off the street <laughs> <laughs> i'm just joking <laughs> but it could happen right you know so like having that sort of outlet is is very important yep yeah absolutely um now, where did you get, are you done interviewing me? <laughs> <laughs> For now, if I come up with another question, I'll ask. <laughs> where did you, where did you come up with all this knowledge to help other people? Did you go to school for it? Did you take courses? Good question. So I actually, when I, so going all the way back to when I got expelled from school, I got pregnant in high school. Mm. So I You're dropped, one of those. I'm one of those. Yeah. Oh my you God. You ruined way, your life. The way you said that. Oh my God. Shame written all over my face. Um, yeah, I got- No pre- shame. I know. So I was, um, so I got pregnant in 10th grade, had my daughter in 11th grade. Wow. I dropped out. I didn't, so I was supposed to graduate in like, oh, like no, 2003, 2004. Um, I didn't graduate. I went back. I worked a full-time job and um, went to a night-eyed program and got my high school diploma. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had two kids at that time already. Wow. I know. Um, so then I went and got my, went to social, got my associate's degree in business and marketing. Um, I literally changed my associates like five times. <laughs> I really did. I didn't, I couldn't make up my mind. I originally started um, practicing um, doing social work and then I did psychology. I was doing substance abuse and addictions because, you, know, you know, because of my dad. Um, and then, so I got my, um, business and marketing degree and then I stopped going to school. I really, cause I, I want to be a therapist. Like really, that's still my goal. And maybe I'll just be really? Dr. Katie one day. I swear <laughs> to God. Um, and so about, 
when I was going through my healing journey in 2014, I started going to school for my bachelor's degree. And I am currently still trying to do finish that. I took a break um, because my oldest daughter was going through a lot of mental challenges and she needed me there 24-7. And so I did take a break from school. So right now I am finishing up my bachelor's in psychology. So it is going to be psychology and science. Um, but I also have five different certifications. So I have an engagement therapy certification. I have, um, um, let me see, I have um, engagement therapy. I have um, BTD therapy trainings. What's I, up? Um, so dialectical training. So whatever. So my training is going to be from learning to teach you how to look at your emotions and your behaviors and your feelings but also from your behaviors, your feelings to your emotions to figure out that circle effect on where they're beginning and how they're starting, where they're ending and how would you do that? And so on. So right now, what I try to do is say that you're having a bad day. Yeah. What triggered that bad day? How did that bad day make you feel? What if you just woke up in a bad mood? Then you got to figure out what happened yesterday. What, what did so you dream there's about? Always, oh. Did you like, it could be like, what'd you eat before bed? Is there certain foods that you believe that would? No, everyone's no. so different. It's really hard to pinpoint that. So a lot of times if like you woke up in a bad mood, because there's times that I like I woke up in a bad mood, but really, what are you really depressed about? Hmm. Just because you woke up in a bad mood yesterday, you could have had a bad day, or maybe your mind was still contemplating on something that happened like a week ago and you've been stirring on it for a long time and you just woke up in a bad day because you really still haven't dealt with that. So whenever you come across somebody and you're, practicing this Mm -hmm. um how do you how do you navigate that how do you try to help them figure out what what pinpointed their bad day or what what incident occurred yeah a lot of times so every situation is so different yeah so that's it's so hard for me to like give you a good example without using somebody as an example so without saying any names so like i had a client one time that um she always had a bad day and she would tell me she woke up on a bad day and she just felt like it was her, um, like a nerve problems, like her body was always aching. So it put her in a bad mood. And so we talked, I talked about, you know, okay, going to the doctors and, you know, getting blood work done and seeing if there is something maybe hormonal that's throwing her off a little bit. And then what I find out is that she actually was drinking before bed every single day, Uh but she didn't want to, you know, she really didn't talk about that. So it's really me just started diving into, okay, well, what do you do before bed? What do you eat before bed? What do you drink before bed? What's your habits? What's like, what does your habits look like? And then when I found out she was drinking before bed, I'm like, okay, okay, what's making you want to drink before bed? It calms me down. Okay, well, what are you hyped up about that you need to be calmed down for? And then we start talking about, well, you know, I just get anxiety throughout the day. Okay, what gives you anxiety? So like, really, it's like baby steps. And then she's like, well, you know, I'm around certain people. And, you know, with certain people with their behaviors or with their habits, it gives me anxiety. And I'm like, okay, but who do you remember giving you that? Who does that person remind you of? That person remind you of somebody? Oh, wow. You know, does that that like, could get deep? So, like, <laughs> I really do start. Like, I'm that person that's going to ask you these questions. Yeah. You know. Okay. So you're working with somebody that reminds you of a perpetrator. So that's yeah. that's giving you anxiety. So that means you're drinking every single night because you're literally working with somebody you didn't realize was tricking you every single day because they look like a perpetrator that you had when you were six years old. Wow. You know. That so, is so intense. So when you think about you, you don't know how to analyze your own thoughts yet because you're so narrow minded and all you're so worried about is your feelings. Right. You're so worried about like just covering up those feelings. And the longer you keep covering up, the more it's hard for you to dig yourself out of that. So in a sense, it's kind of like, it's almost like going through a therapy session. Absolutely. Um, Because once you start narrowing down those things and you're obviously coming from the outside, looking in from a, like a nuanced perspective, Mm Um, you're able to help them pinpoint certain, certain things. And then they're able to kind of like figure out like what the issue is and fix it from there. Right. Yes. So a lot of times, cause I get the question is like, well, what's the difference between a therapist and a coach? Um, what I always tell them, you know, cause you can do both. I've had clients that actually hit that, see a therapist and see me at the same time. And the reason why I would say what's different is like, when you go to a therapy, you go there and you literally just bitch about stuff. Right. And you or you're going to just go there because, you know, like, OK, I've been through this in the past. I need to talk about it like you're and sometimes therapists is not forever. Right. Yeah. Coaches are not forever either. So if you feel like you are mentally stuck, 
and you are seeing a therapist, but you feel like that therapist is not still yet helping. Yeah. What I tell people is I help you with the here and now. I help you with your every day. So that's what my goal is. My goal is because like I've been depressed to where I was stuck every single day. Like I'm repeating the same shit over and over. I'm repeating the same behaviors, the same bad, you know, thought processes. And I'm like, how do I get out of that? So I went through and I did my own, like my own trainings. I went through all my certifications. The neurological trainings that I went through too is probably the, my favorite. So with my neurological certification, um, that taught me how to change my mind and what I feed my mind and what I tell myself. Um, so that's what I try to teach my clients. It's, okay, what are you feeding yourself? What are you, it, it's the verbiage. It's like affirmations, right? It's affirmations. You got to tell yourself. And this is the one thing I just talked about yesterday in one of my videos that I did, you know, with those corny videos, I call them corny videos. Um, <laughs> but I they're thought, helpful. They're super helpful they to people. They are. And with self-care, you know, because that's what my conference is about in May is self-care. But what we really don't realize is we do self-care every single day. We just don't put that proper verbiage on that. So for self-care, for what, you know, even like if you're having a really bad day and you're depressed, if you get up and brush your teeth and got to bed and brush your hair, that's self-care. Right. If that's all right. you can motivate yourself to do that day, then you're golden. That's self-care. Tell yourself that is your self-care and it's okay. But if you're literally on a day, because there's days I wake up and I'm so motivated, I'm up, I'm dressed, I'm cooking yeah, breakfast. And those I'm, are good days. So those are fantastic days, <laughs> right? And then, so I'm like, okay, so my self-care is getting up extra. Like I get up two hours early before the kids and God knows why. I have no idea why, because <laughs> I love my sleep. But so it's all about our mindset. It's all about letting us know that it's okay to have a bad day. And if my self-care is literally just brushing my teeth and brushing my hair, then that's fine. But if you have it a day where you're waking up and you're so motivated and that you're literally, um, you know, cooking breakfast for the whole family, you got the house clean, you got the laundry done and that's all your self-care, fine. But if your self-care is to also journaling, art, I bet podcasting is your self-care. Yeah, in a, in a sense. Yeah, yeah. So because it's like, it's almost like reassuring you're doing something that you love. So self-care. Unless is I have a bad episode. Like if I, if I have an episode where I'm like, I feel like an idiot. I don't know what to ask. <laughs> Cause I don't prepare. I just ask on the whim. Like I'm a retard, <laughs> Yeah, you know, like things like that. Then uh, it's not like affirming. I get know? it. Yeah. So self care again, I love that word that you just used affirming yeah. self care is really just finding that joy and happiness. Yeah. With yourself, with yourself. Exactly. Yep. I love that. Um, now when you are working with other, um, clients. Mm -hmm. I was going to say patients for a minute, but they're not patients. I, I always clients. say clients. Clients, it seems more professional yeah. and uh, just, they don't feel like patient sounds like they have an issue. <laughs> like they're, they're, they're a problem. Like they have a problem. There's a stigma <laughs> behind the word patient. Yeah. Apparently. Like there's some sort of like mental, <laughs> mental case or something, but yeah. that's not necessarily the case. Yep. Um, but when you're working with these people and you, you're obviously big into fitness, do you recommend uh, work, working out to these people and it might help or um, it I feel really, like I would, <laughs> I, 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 I would say it really depends on what I like, what their focus is. Cause I'm not going to change the focus just because I like working out. Mm. Some people look at working out as if it's like, well, what the fuck would I do that for? I'd rather go boating. I'd rather go fishing. I'd rather go hunting. You know, mm, like I yeah. have, so I'm not going to put my passion onto somebody else, even though it really, like I feel personally, fitness is going to be amazing for your mind and body. It's amazing, but you don't necessarily have to lift weights and exactly. go for a run, but you could go on a hike. Like, yeah. let's say you being out, you like being outside mm -hmm. or you like to... I don't know, go hunting. Like you're, yep. you're out, you're walking, you're out in the woods, you're doing something. I always tell people like when they're in situations like that, like you need to be active. You need to get out of your bed. Yes. Like that's the first step. Just get out of your, Absolutely. Get, out, get outside, yep. do something you love doing outside. Yep. And be active. Yep, absolutely. Um, one thing, because you just gave me this like light bulb moment for myself. So one thing that I help people with, you know, that's different from like coaching and therapy, cause, you know, going back to, to that question, because um, I help with the here and now. But what I actually help with, too, that I find really helpful that people don't do on them by themselves and with a therapist is. Um, you know, do you have like these big goals? Like, okay, in like three or five years, you know, I'm going to be doing this. I'm going to be this person. I'm going to have a house and all of these things. Yeah. Okay. But what about making a goal for the week? 
what about making a goal for, you know, a month or three months? Like, what does that look like? Let's do the baby steps to this big goal. Let's make small goals to achieve the big goal. Right. So I really help people narrow that down because like when I was dealing with, you know, my passion for school and my passion for helping people, I was, I felt like a failure because I just never made time. I'm like, well, I want to get here, but I don't know how to get there. Mm. Um, so I feel like that also helps with people, um, with their, you know, mental confidence with their self-worth. Especially like in situations like yours where you went to school for something and then you had to take a break because of your, you, you know, life ob- obligations. Yep. Like you're a mom, you yep. have you know, you're, you have to take care of your daughter. Yep. And so now you have to put your, your goal, that big picture that you had on hold yep. to, to help your family that can get depressing. I'm sure it can. It, I think that that was one of the hardest things for me to do because 10, it took me 10 years to get back to school. Wow. And then, you know, when, you know, when you get that old, you're like, well, I'm, I'm, is it I'm worth it? <laughs> right. You're like, is it even worth it? Like, cause I have all these certifications underneath my belt, but in people's eyes, in the society eyes, you're like, that's not good enough. You're mm. not, you know, you're not a doctor and you're not like right. this, this amazing, you know, PhD person. But you know what? I have the life experience. I actually paid for all of my certifications. I took the time to do my certifications and it still takes me years to get certified. Yeah. Um, and it takes time and money. So yeah. I, I've, I've gotten to my goal. I got to like maybe a little bitty of my goal, but my doctor goal is like my dream. Well, that is, that is awesome. And you obviously have the knowledge and the like wherewithal to put, put it into play Yeah, where a lot of people don't, which is why they would come to you. I really feel like people, if when they start hearing my story too, they're like, oh my God, you like, I feel it. Mm, yeah. And I feel like if you've been through things that's changed your life that you felt like people shamed you over, you're not going to shame somebody else. You're not going to judge somebody else over, you know, what yeah. they've been through. So you can relate so much more and you're going to have that empathy and sympathy and all of the above for them. Especially when somebody comes to you wanting help and you, they see you now like, okay, wow, you're like this well put together person. You're, you're fit. Like you, you, you're really knowledgeable on things like you, you're just really well put together. But if they would have known you 15, 20 years ago and you know, they would have been like, Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> but when you look back and you're able to tell them about the things that you'd gone through, they're like, okay, well I'm in that, I'm in that position. So I, there is hope for me to get to this point. There's hope for me to be like you. Absolutely. And I think one of the hardest clients I dealt with was a, I'm not going to, say any more information, but the person was 63. So I was my oldest client. Wow. And, but they were, they, I'm honored and thankful that they actually trusted me. And I did uh, sessions with them for months to get them to where they, they were like ready to change their minds and ready to um, like deal with things that they never dealt with before from their childhood. And I'm like, you're 63 years old and you're trusting me with all of this information and knowledge. And, and it was just an honor for me to, to do that. And, um, so my knowledge helped them. And one thing that I like to brace my clients for is I will tell you the bitter truth, the, and nothing but the truth. So help me God. And that you may not like me in the very beginning, but you'll love me in the end. What wouldn't they like you? Or what, what, what about you would, wouldn't they like, just like how bold and honest you are? Just bold and honest. Like I really start, I, I'm telling you, I will start asking you the questions that you probably don't even want to answer Yeah, and that you've been avoiding and shoving to the side and under the rug for the, for a very long time. But those are the painful questions that you need to ask if you want to go through this proper healing process. Um, if you really want to find who you are and your happiness, you're going to want to, look internally and stop having a pity party. And I'm like, those pity parties don't work for me. I'm sorry. You really got to start doing the work. You got to look at yourself and stop having, you know, that victim mentality. Mm. I can't stand that. I love that. I love that you said the victim mentality because in today's day and age, there's like, there's golden victim mentality. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's rewarding to be a victim. Well, because you get all this praise. You're like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like you've been through that. Like poor you let me, you know, like they crave that attention. But if you're still stuck in that victim mentality and you're still telling the same story over and over again, you're not healing. Yeah. You're literally making your own self stuck into that moment because you can't even get over your own self and all the things that you've been through. 
Yeah. And people hate me for saying that, but that's okay. But the thing is, is you're not making any positive changes to your life. You're not, if you're doing that, you're in a position where you don't want to change. Right. And you don't, you don't want to make your life better. Well, a lot of times too, is like they, they get affirmation for themselves, but those are quick fixes. I always say that's, that's what I call them. I call them a quick fix. You are getting people to have this pity party for you, but just imagine stopping that victim mentality and allowing yourself to be bold and be confident, knowing your worth and hitting that plateau. Mm. And then just imagine the praise that you're going to get for hitting that plateau instead of having the victim mentality. Yeah. Like that's the next level. Stop being stuck at the victim mentality and get to the next level of knowing your worth and knowing your own personal confidence and showing that off. That's where uh, working out has helped me like be more confident in who I am because before I started working out, I was not confident in myself whatsoever. Um, but when you go to the gym and you get the worst position to be in is in a squat. And when you're, when you're down <laughs> at that bottom and you're struggling to come back up from yeah. that squat yeah. and it's not very much weight at all and it's humiliating, yeah. you know, people are watching you. You start grunting, you know. You start like, grunting. <laughs> it's the most humbling thing that you could possibly put yourself through. Yeah. And then once you go through a difficult situation like that, mm -hmm. you're like, wow, all the other shit outside of the gym does not matter. Yeah. I've actually tried to lift something so heavy I couldn't lift it and I gave myself a fat lip. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's not going to happen again. Oh, that's so funny. Um, now uh, we're creeping up. Well, we, we already hit an hour. What? That's insane. Okay. We could talk forever. I know. You can uh, tell me to shut up whenever. I told no, you you're good. You're good. I don't know what you have going on today, but. Um, <laughs> Nothing really. Um, so real quick, before, like when when people reach out to you and you're bold and you're, um, you pretty much tell them to, you know, not, not have vic a victim mentality or whatever. What's the feedback like? Do people hang up on you? <laughs> Do they tell okay, you to so fuck off? I'll, I'll, uh, let me change it just a little bit. So when I first meet somebody, I'm not going to just go up right. and, and tell right. them, right, I'm, I'm, I'm bold, but maybe not that bold. Um, a lot of times when I first meet with somebody, I actually have a questionnaire that I have them fill out and we can either do it together or like I'll ask them the questions, write it down, or sometimes they'll feel comfortable enough to um, write it down themselves and send it back over to me. However it works. Yeah. But really the goal is to figure out if I'm even going to work for them. Like that's how honest I am when uh, okay. I first have a consultation with somebody is like, okay, where are you at? What are your goals? What do you want to personally work on? And let's see if I actually can help you or do I need to refer you to somebody else? Mm. Like, do you really need to stick with just therapy right now? Or are you ready for a coach? That's important because you could really break somebody. You really can. Um, you know, if you, somebody comes in and they're having a bad day, mm -hmm. you know, and you, you tell them, well, you know, you're just having, I, I know you wouldn't yeah. just tell them, you know. No, well, I wouldn't. You're, you're I'm very sym sympathetic. But some people are just fr so fragile. Mm -hmm. You know, like if you, if you tell them, you know, you need to do things this way, yep. that could break them. Yeah. And so th I think that's important that you do that. It that's, is important. Yeah. And honestly, it's important for myself too, because I don't want to sit with a client that I'm not going to get anywhere with Yeah. because that just lets me know they're one, they're not ready. And it's not that I'm not doing my job. It's that they're not able to open up and they're ready. They're not ready to be honest with themselves. Right. Yeah. You have to be willing to change. You have to be willing to change. Yeah. Yep. Um, how can people find you and how can people find the service? Um, how can they sign up? All that but, jazz. Right. So literally I'm all over social media healing with Katie. I have my own personal website, so you can literally check out my backstory, my education and sign up for a consultation. Um, normally consultations are $60 um, per consultation, but I am offering them for free. Um, I do have a few spaces too for my event coming up in May. So please, if you were interested in doing a whole day's worth of getting to know us, like, a support system, really, that's exactly what it's going to be about. Um, sign up for that. So Healing with Katie, if you literally Google Healing with Katie, you'll find me. I'm not joking. Um, so you can find me on Facebook. I am on Instagram. I am I think that's really all I focus on. I try to do the whole TikTok, or is it called TikTok? TikTok, I, I'm yeah. really such an old lady. Um, I have a TikTok, but don't look at my TikTok oh, because boy. They're, I try and my kids are like, Mom, what in the world are you doing? Do you do funny videos? 
I try, <laughs> um, but I'm really not a funny person. I think that's my downfall is like, I can try to be funny. Um, what do you mean you're not funny? My kids tell me I have the worst personality because <laughs> I am so strict and I'm serious at all the time. Like I, but I'm, I mean, I try not to be, but I can have a personality. <laughs> at least my boyfriend says I have a personality. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, now I do see that you and your boyfriend work out together a lot. We work out the same gym. We do not work out oh, together. Okay. okay. Um, I just see pictures together. Yeah, oh, I know. Cause I, t I always drag him over. I'm like, come on, you need to pose with me real quick. He works out. He works out so hard and so heavy. There is no way I can do his workout. Gotcha. He's such a you know, hardcore bodybuilder. There's no way I can keep up with him. Um, I think it's important for couples to do things like that together. Oh yeah. Um, I wanted to touch on that earlier because my wife and I will work out together mm -hmm. and we, we actually started working out together. That's how I, like I got into fitness Yeah, and seeing her like, um, uh, you know, work hard and chase goals and stuff like mm -hmm. was important for me too. Yes. Cause so. you're on the sideline going, yeah, baby, go baby. Yes. Yeah. Well I started working out cause I'm like, there's no way I want to be with somebody that's stronger than me. Oh. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> and so, but then it, you know, in turn helped me all like in all areas of life. Yeah. So. Um, I love that. So my wife and I work out at the same gym together and then my kids work out, his daughter that. works out. Um, so there's times that I would have all my kids with me and then including his daughter. And, um, then there's times I try to sneak out and do my own workout because, <laughs> you know, I really like working out by myself too. Yeah. Um, like I did this morning, all the kids were still sleeping. I ran to the gym. Um, <laughs> that's my alone time. But, um, I love that my family's into fitness. That's awesome. Yeah. I love it too. All right. Uh, well, Katie, thank you for doing this. This was an actually a really good, really great podcast. Good. I'm I, uh, glad because you're not over here going like, oh my God, that was the worst podcast ever. And I'm, No, okay. you didn't. You didn't see me over here like struggling for questions. And yeah. typically if I'm struggling for questions, it's like, okay, I, I'm at a loss for words. I don't know what to talk about. Right. Um, or I'm really tired and having an off day too. But um, yeah, this was a really great podcast. I'd love to have you back sometime. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I told you I can talk for hours and I was having an off day today and I even took a nap before I showed up. So <laughs> <laughs> I hope it doesn't show in this podcast. No, not at all. Okay, no, good. you were, you were on, on fire. Good. So. All right. Thanks again. Thank you.